Man, it's, uh, it is so great to, to get to see y'all, and uh, I love this church. I really, I really do, and, and I love Reese, and, I, and the, uh, uh, I'm so proud of Reese and the leadership team here and all the, all the staff that's just doing such an amazing job through, through, I know, what could be a difficult transition, so really grateful for them. I, uh, I'm not exaggerating when I say this. I pray for you every day. You can ask my wife every day. Uh, and, and a lot of times, you know, I, when I say something like that, I go, well, not every day. No, every day. I, every day. I think it's been every day for the past couple of years, as well as my, uh, my friend Benji. And I just want to remind you, this is God's church. And he has called all of us to make a difference together. And I'm so grateful for you. And uh, God's going to do some amazing things in this place, as he already has. So, Yeah. So, man, it's an honor for me to get to be here with y'all, and uh, whenever I get a chance to come, man, I, I get so fired up when I see New Hope on my schedule, and I uh, was so glad that I got to come, especially in the fall, which is North Carolina in the fall. is amazing. Uh, we've, we've been in this uh, much-needed series, uh, having some real honest dialogue uh, about the state of our minds. And as you know, these days, emotions are all over the place, uh, whether it's fear, anxiety, anger, cynicism, loneliness, confusion, I mean, you name it. Either you've been experiencing it or somebody in your world has. And today, we wanna wrap, uh, kinda, kinda, kinda talk about a, a big one today. Uh, we wanna talk about sadness. We wanna talk about depression and grief. And before we jump into this uh, I just want to remind you, as we often do, uh, here at New Hope, it's okay to not be okay. I mean, this is a judgment-free place of empathy and grace, and you don't need to be embarrassed. You don't need to be ashamed. You don't need to be guarded, because the truth is, most of us are like the rest of us, right? We are. And you need to know, this is a safe place of fellow strugglers who just happen to be finding some hope and healing and freedom uh, through Jesus Christ. And our, our goal is to come alongside you in whatever emotional state you might find yourself in and just walk with you. And hopefully along the way, together, we'll learn some practical tools to use in our, in our, in our, in our, in our lives. And we'll be able to lean into the one that many of us are finding can actually help with our mental health. I, I want to kick this off today by stirring up some debate. Uh, you can fight about this on your way home, talk about it with your friends or family later. But many believe that Michael Jordan is the GOAT the greatest basketball player of all time. And many people believe that recently retired, unretired Tom Brady is the greatest quarterback of all time. But when it comes to musical artists, who is the GOAT? Who is the greatest of all time? I mean, over like all musical genres. You might say, well, that's easy, man. It's Elvis, right? After all, he's the king. You go, no, 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 it's not Elvis. No way, it's, it's the Beatles. Beatles, greatest musical artist of all. Oh, you're crazy. Everybody knows it's Michael Jackson. Everybody knows that. Are you kidding? Michael Jackson, everybody knows it's Garth Brooks. Garth Brooks is the greatest of all time. Are you kidding me? Country music? You know, rumor has it that it might be Adele. See what I did there? Uh, <laughs> Adele, are you kidding me? Listen, Aretha, Aretha, she needs some R-E-S-B-E-C-T, right? Well, she might be 
the queen of soul, but I'm telling you, Taylor Swift has sold more albums than anybody else. Yeah, but Billy Joel has his own Sirius XM channel. Oh, come on. You know it's Prince. Prince is a musical genius. Oh, you young kids don't know what you're talking about. It's Frank. It's Frank Sinatra. He's the greatest. I mean, on and on and on and on. We could go with this stuff. So let me just settle it once and for all. The GOAT of all musical artists is a guy named King David. Yeah, King David uh, from the Old Testament pages of the Bible is the greatest musical artist of all time. Now, we don't know if he could play guitar like Jimi Hendrix or sing like Bruno Mars, but he wrote some mad lyrics. I mean, he's been on the top 150 for over 3,000 years. Who does that, right? His songs are found in a book right in the middle of the Bible called the Psalms. And I don't know if you ever read them in their, their entirety, but it is like David experienced everything that we would ever endure in this life. He wrote from his failures, he wrote from his struggles, his victory, his pain, his brokenness, his shame, his embarrassment, his anger, his confusion, his gratitude, his joy. Inspired by the Spirit of God, he just vulnerably wrote down whatever was on his heart. And it's in these songs that I found God speaking clearly and tenderly to my heart and my mind to help me deal with the struggles that I face with any kind of mental health. David wrote a lot about depression. He wrote a lot about grief. He said, I'm sad a lot. And gang, he gets really raw and very vulnerable and very honest about it. And if you and I are gonna deal with the sadness of life that everybody experiences, we're gonna have to begin with the same level of honesty and humility. Because everyone either deals with depression at some point in their lifetime, or we know someone who has or is struggling. As many of you know, uh, my dad was bipolar, uh, struggled with uh, PTSD from serving in World War II. Uh, they didn't know what to call it back then, uh, so there wasn't a whole lot of uh, treatment. Uh, I just remember as a kid, he would often say to me, Mike, I'm, I'm, I'm just really nervous. At other times, he would... Uh, just sit in his chair almost comatose and totally unengaged. At one point, he was diagnosed paranoid schizophrenic, and he struggled uh, with his mental health. But my dad humbled himself, and he sought help. And some very skilled, very kind, very loving medical professionals helped him with different therapies and different medications, which eventually helped him to be able to process the truth of God's goodness and God's love for him. And I don't know, but you might need to do the same. I remember my wife, Debbie, teaching at a women's event, and she used an illustration where she had a, a big coffee mug like this. She said, you come to God and say, fill my cup, but you ought to bring a big cup. Just bring a big cup to God and say, God, just fill my cup. After the meeting, a lady stuck around to talk with her privately, and she asked her, but what if your uh, cup is upside down? Because sometimes you and I can get to such a place where we need some professional help to get the cup turned right side up, where we can begin to allow God to pour truth into us. And that's what my dad had to do. And as the cup got turned right side up, a relationship with the truth, Jesus Christ turned him into a really good man. And so that's where we want to point you, to the truth. To allow the lover of our soul to speak over us all and to fill our cups with life-changing truth so that we can counteract all the lies that we have to wrestle with. I asked one of my really good friends about her battle with depression and uh, she sent me, I'm going to read you an edited version of what she vulnerably sent me 
but uh, she, she's amazing what God is doing in her life. She said, depression is lonely. I just couldn't be around people. They were happy and I was not. And I didn't have the energy anymore to pretend. After stiff-arming people, turning down invitations or, or not showing up time and time again because of depression, pretty soon everybody just quit calling, quit inviting. We were always saying no. After a while, we didn't have any friends, and friends were what we needed. We didn't understand what was happening. How could we expect anyone else to understand? I began to think, you know what? I'm, I'm ruining everybody's life. They'd be better off without me. I wanted to die. I thought about it all the time. All the time. And maybe you've been there. Or maybe you're there now. Now, depression doesn't affect all of us in the same way, but it has been described as an emotional winter and a lethal absence of hope. Proverbs 13, 12 says, hope deferred, that's what makes the heart sick. When hope gets deferred on anything other than the true source of hope, it leads us away from a healthy heart and a healthy mind. Now, we all get sad. And we all get down, and we all occasionally have those rainy days and Mondays, right? But depression is much different than just having a cloudy day. It's being covered in clouds. David even writes how it can feel like this dark, deep pit of hopelessness. People who are experiencing depression can feel extreme sadness. They can suffer from poor concentration, sleep problems, a loss of appetite. They feel overwhelmed. They feel a lot of guilt, shame, hopelessness, thoughts of self-harm. And you throw in this never-ending pandemic that we're in and financial instability and medical issues and family problems and political unrest and racial tension and natural, natural disasters and tragic accidents and violent crime. I mean, you name it. And we're all at, left asking the way David does over and over, where does my help come from? Once again, I want to emphasize the importance of counseling and medical assistance and recovery groups and therapy. There is no shame whatsoever in any of that. In fact, being humble enough to seek help puts us all on the pathway to healing and freedom. But I also know that there is a big time spiritual component to this. And for that, there's only one place to turn for help. David writes this in Psalm 121, I lift up my eyes to the mountains where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. Here's a guy writing, I look up to the mountains and I know that the one who formed those mountains, he is the source of my strength. And that's what I found to be true and, I've, and I know a lot of people that have found that to be as true as well. I want you to see just how honest David gets in describing his battle with depression, sadness, and grief. Then we're gonna walk through some of the truth that he lands on that actually sustained his life. He gets super vulnerable and writes things like this, Psalm 102.7. I lie awake, lonely as a solitary bird on the roof. You ever been there? Like my friend who wrote about feeling like she had no friends. David just poetically describes the way he just feels lost in his loneliness. He gets super vulnerable in Psalm chapter six and says, have compassion on me, Lord, for I am weak. Heal me, Lord, for my body is in agony. I am sick at heart. How long, O oh Lord, until you restore me? I'm worn out from sobbing. Every night, tears drench my bed. My pillow is wet from weeping. Your pillow been wet with tears lately? I told you, he writes some raw lyrics. And I'm also telling you it's very cathartic to get this vulnerable with God. It's more than okay to express your doubts and your anger and your confusion and your grief and your pain. He can take it. 
plus he wants to take it. David writes Psalm 13, oh Lord, how long will you forget me? Ever felt like that? For, like forever? How long will you look the other way? How long must I struggle with anguish in my soul and anguish in my mind, with sorrow in my heart every day? How long will my enemies have the upper hand? Turn and answer me, oh Lord, my God. Restore the light to my eyes or I will die. There's this desperation in his voice of, God, I need you. And that's a good place to be, by the way. As well as the brokenness he writes about in Psalm 38 when he says, my guilt overwhelms me. It's a burden too heavy to bear. My my." my Wounds fester and stink because of my foolish sins. I am bent over and racked with pain. All day long I walk around filled with grief. A raging fever burns within me and my health is broken. I'm exhausted and completely crushed. My groans come from an anguished heart. That's just a sampling of the way he just cries out to God with his song lyrics. And he does it a lot. And there's this constant theme that those of us who deal with sadness or grief or depression often repeat as well, there's a whole lot of negative self-talk in those lyrics. Y'all ever do that? Every now and then I catch myself doing it. Uh, Not long ago, I was working on a renovation project. I love doing that stuff. And I cut cut a board too short. It was my last board. So that meant I had to go back to Home Depot. And when I cut it, I yelled out, dang it, bro, you are such an idiot. And my wife called in from the other room. She said, did you just call yourself an idiot? I said, uh, no, I, I was talking to you. Uh, but psychologists have an official name for prolonged negative self-talk. They call it ruminating. It's kind of like negative meditation where we create these narratives in our mind that aren't true and we just sit there and we ruminate on those lies over and over and over again. Lies like God doesn't care. God isn't good. I'm not worthy anyway. Nobody understands. I'm broken. I'm useless. I'm weak. I'm pathetic. Everybody's against me. I can't trust anybody. Things will never get better. There is no good in this world. Life sucks and then you die. And as you ruminate on all that non-truth over and over and over, guess what happens? Hope gets deferred. And as hope gets deferred, the heart and the mind gets sick. I I really do love the way David honestly expresses his negative self-talk and his very, very real feelings of hopelessness. But here's the key. He doesn't stay there. I noticed a pattern all the way through the Psalms, and his pattern is this. He says, I'm going to get vulnerable with the truth about me, and then I'm going to let the truth about God heal me. I'm going to get vulnerable with the truth about me, and then I'm going to let the truth about God's character begin to heal me. Now, we can't simply apply like some Neosporin and a Band-Aid to depression and pretend that everything's going to eventually heal on its own. It doesn't work that way. But what we can do is constantly apply the healing truth of God's character to our depression and our grief and our sadness, and we can find hope and peace and healing rising up to take its place. Now, you might want to jot these down, or you can take a screenshot with your phone or whatever and start downloading some of these songs on, onto your playlist, maybe commit some of these to memory, ruminate on these. Uh, you, you can actually start uh, praying these lyrics uh, uh, with, with your own personal honesty. I found that actually praying the words of Scripture is a really great uh, practice to do. For instance, when anxiety is just overwhelming you and fear is taking you to a dark place once again, you can pray this truth. 
The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? Wait for the Lord. Now be strong and let your heart take courage. Wait for the Lord. Can you see how praying that would help maybe lift you up out of a funk? You, you can pray Psalm 43, verse 5. Why am I discouraged? Why is my heart so sad? I will put my hope in God. I will praise him again, my Savior and my God. When you have that feeling that like everybody's against you, telling yourself that all the haters are out there to get you, pray this prayer. Oh God, have mercy on me. For people are hounding me. My foes attack me all day long. I'm constantly hounded by those who slander me on Twitter. And many are boldly attacking me. But when I'm afraid, I will put my trust in you. I praise God for what he has promised. I trust in God. So why should I be afraid? What can mere mortals do to me? Because listen, because haters going to hate. Hate, 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 hate. And players going to play. Play, play, but I'm just going to shake, 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 shake it off is what David is trying to say right here. Now, hang on, I, I need to write that down. That could be a song. <laughs> you, you know, we, we've, we've talked a lot about gratitude and the power of gratitude, and it has proven to be one of the most powerful practices for treating depression, grief, all kinds of things. I have found in my own personal life just making a daily gratitude list has changed my perspective in so many ways. And I love the gratitude that David expresses in these lyrics. He says, I waited patiently for the Lord to help me. And he turned to me and he heard my cry. He lifted me out of the pit of despair, out of the mud, out of the mire. He set my feet on solid ground and steadied me as I walked along. He has given me a new song to sing, a new perspective, a hymn of praise to our God. Many will see what he has done in my life and be amazed. They will put their trust in the Lord as well. When your foundation is feeling shaky, remind yourself of this truth. God is our refuge and strength, always ready to help in times of trouble. So we will not fear when earthquakes come and the mountains crumble into the sea. Let the oceans roar and foam. Let the mountains tremble as the waters surge. Be still and know that I am God. Be still and just know the truth that he is your refuge, he is your strength, he is your healer, he is your friend, he is your maker, he is your good, good father, he is the lover of your soul and the lifter of your head. Be vulnerable with the truth about you and then let the truth about God's character begin to heal you. I'm telling you, these songs have had a profound impact on my life. There's a time I thought to myself, you know what, bro? You know all the lyrics to Bye Bye Miss American Pie, uh, Bohemian Rhapsody, Papa Was a Rolling Stone, and the rap from Don't Go Chasing Waterfalls. You need to download these lyrics into your heart and your mind. David takes these truths, what he knows to be reality, and he uses them to propel his mind out of that negative self-talk into a place of healthy remembrance and worship. Over and over, he starts to ruminate on the truth. And it just lifts him up. Okay, a bit of musical trivia. Do you know what song holds the longest streak at number one on the top 100 of all time? It's, it's kind of embarrassing, really. <laughs> Little Nas and Billy Ray Cyrus with Old Town Road. Number one, longest streak on, at number one is there. But again... David wrote a song that blows that one away. 
This song is probably his most famous song. It's been number one on the chart for thousands of years. See, David wasn't only a musician. He wasn't only a king. He wasn't just a mighty military warrior. David was also a shepherd. And he writes this song from his unique relationship with God growing up there in the Judean hills. This song of truth about God has brought comfort to countless people. It's brought comfort to me. I'm praying it brings comfort to you. I want to read the entire song lyrics. Then I'm going to go back and break it down a little bit. It's probably his most famous song, Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. He guides me along the right paths for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. That's one of the most beautiful songs ever penned. And I love how David, who was a former shepherd and, and a leader also, humbly describes himself as a sheep. And he assigns the leadership of his life to the Lord. You know, over the past couple of years when I've heard people kind of, you know, judgmentally call some people sheep, I think, yep, that's exactly what I am. You see, the thing about sheep is that they need someone to care for them. They don't do well alone. Sheep are not buffed up, snarling predators seeking vulnerable prey. They are the prey. They are fluffy followers looking for some guidance. <laughs> so here is this tough guy. Here is this mighty warrior. Here's this king saying, that's me. I'm a sheep. I need a shepherd. And then he writes, I'm so grateful that the Lord is my shepherd. And because he is, I lack nothing. See, this world would have me believe that I am lacking in so many ways. The enemy would like nothing more for me to internalize that lie. But the truth is this. The truth is this. My shepherd is my constant provider and my protector. I lack nothing. David writes, he makes me lie down in green pastures. Now, I, I, I live in, well, I'm from central Kentucky. Actually, we just moved two weeks ago from California back to Kentucky to help with family. And uh, central Kentucky is a, a beautiful place. There, there are millions and millions of acres of lush pastures where horses graze. And whenever I've read that verse, I've always pictured that. Like God takes me to green pastures where I'm rolling around the beautiful bluegrass like doing grass angels, you know? <laughs> Let me show you the reality of what David was talking about. The green pastures in Israel look nothing like central Kentucky. If you've been there, you know that they are mostly rocky, barren hillsides scattered amidst the rocks are just little blades of grass where a drop of rain or dew collected beneath the rock and a single tuft of grass sprouts up. There's not much, but there's enough. And so the shepherd leads them to places not where they can roll around and gorge themselves in a lush meadow, but where they will find enough grass for that day. And then he leads them on to another day. The sheep don't stress out about having enough grass because the shepherd finds it for them. 
And again, God as our shepherd doesn't promise us a life, a lush life of luxury, but he does promise he will lead us to the right pasture needed for the moment. We may not see it now, but a new tuft of grass will always be there in the morning. There's an old song I've always liked. It was, by a guy, it was kind of a random song. It was by a guy named Pat Green. It was nominated by a Grammy back in uh, 2003. It was called Wave on Wave. Anybody remember that song? It came upon me, wave on wave. It's just a cool song. That's how depression can feel. Wave on wave. That's how grief and sadness can feel. It's wave on wave on wave. It can be this relentless pounding. One day you're feeling better. And then some hurt from the past rises up and waves crash again. And then some unresolved bitterness crash. Then some regret crash. Then some what ifs crash. Then some hopelessness, this wave on wave on wave. And David writes in this song, let me tell you what the good shepherd does. He leads me beside quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. If we will draw close to him, God will lead us away from the crashing waves and bring us to a place of peace. It's a place where the pounding stops and we experience something deep in our soul. I wish I could explain this to you, but you've got to experience it. It, it, says, it says over in Philippians chapter four that that kind of peace is unexplainable. Paul said it transcends human understanding. It's something you just got to experience for yourself. And I'm telling you, only Jesus, who's the Prince of Peace, can give that to you. His peace is not the absence of conflict. It's calm right in the middle of the chaos. Like nobody else, he goes deep to the soul, to the real us, to the places that are broken, and refreshes us. David writes, he guides me along the right paths, for his namesake. I have found that depression wants to take me down some winding, dark, desperate roads. And in the moment, the Holy Spirit says, no, 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 don't go that way. You come this way, come over here. And he leads me to better paths, true paths, right paths, more healthy ways of thinking. Depression and grief says, stuff it down, don't deal with this, because this hurt will never go away. Just isolate yourself, refuse to talk to anybody about how you feel, especially God, because if God cared, this would not be happening in your life. All lies designed to steal, kill, and destroy our lives. And in those moments, if you'll let him, the Lord, your shepherd, will lead you in the right direction toward true thoughts. And I found he even does it in subtle ways. Perhaps a friend will just text you out of the blue some encouragement. Or they'll drop by and say, come on, you're going to this meeting with me. Come on, you're going out to eat with us. Come on, we need a fourth on the golf course today. I've already paid your green fees. Or your child says something that just resonates in your heart. Or you're sitting in a place like this and it's like God's word just reaches right into your heart like you're the only one he's talking to. And you start to feel hope. That's how the good shepherd leads. Our good friends, Katie, and, Katie Ann and Billy, lost their uh, beautiful, funny, full of energy, just cool little girl named Bennett a few years ago. She had a very tough roller coaster ride with cancer, and they spent a lot of time in the Ronald McDonald house. And as things got more and more serious, Katie Ann began initiating conversations with her three year old daughter about heaven. And Bennett would respond with fearless faith by saying, Mommy, don't cry. If I go to heaven before you do, I'll send you flowers. <laughs> well, Bennett did go to heaven after a brave battle with cancer. Katie Ann's a remarkable person. Uh, I watched her grow up. 
she, she was heartbroken. And I remember her telling us that on one particularly hard day, she kind of cried out like David. She goes, God, I sure could use some flowers from Bennett about right now. Says she was cleaning up the house a little later in the day, and she was vacuuming a rug upstairs. And right there at the corner of the rug was a puzzle piece. And she thought it kind of odd because she didn't remember having a, like a puzzle up there. She reached down and picked up the puzzle piece and turned it over to see on the other side of the puzzle piece was a picture of a beautiful bouquet of flowers. She said it was like God just whispering to her in the moment, saying, I know your heart is broken, and I know that none of this makes sense to you, but right now all you see is one tiny piece of the puzzle. Someday in heaven you'll see how all the pieces fit together to create this masterpiece, and you will be with me and Bennett forever in a place where there is no more cancer or death or tears. In the meantime, just trust me. I'll carry you through this. And David experienced that too. So he sings, even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. You know, I've often wondered when David wrote this lyric, if he was thinking back to the time when he was a teenage shepherd, he's standing in the valley of Elah about to go toe-to-toe with this giant Philistine warrior named Goliath who was huge and heavily armed and covered with brass armor, and he's the skinny shepherd kid, and he takes him out with a sling and a stone because he knew in that darkest valley, God was with him. And even in the darkest valley, like many people are going through right now, like families we've already prayed for today are going through right now, they can't stay dark because the light of the world is with you. Internalize that truth. He is with you and let the light of that truth begin to chase away the darkness you might be dealing with. David writes, you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. One of the best things you can do when you're going through a grief is to eat with other people. It's why friends bring food over after a funeral service. It's why after they gather at the graveside, they go back to the house and they you know, do a potluck thing and unwrap stuff and they tell stories and cry and look at pictures and laugh and eat together. There's something very healing about that. And I like how David says, you do this in the presence of my enemies. Even though I'm surrounded by enemies like disillusionment and isolation and depression and grief, I'm here and I'm eating with friends and I'm remembering and I'm laughing and I'm crying and I'm hugging and I'm leaning and I'm healing. Sitting at this table with other people I know is where I need to stay. He writes, you anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. It's been almost 25 years now since the last time it happened. But I can still remember how good it felt to sit in a chair in a salon and have somebody wash your hair. <laughs> like I said, distant, distant memory. But it's a great feeling, man. Put that, you know, you're leaning back, they got the shampoo going on, the conditioner going on. Now in David's day, the shepherds would wash the head of their sheep with oil. It was to protect them from disease and keep them healthy. And what I thought was interesting, the first time I've ever seen this, the Hebrew word Jesus, that David uses for anoint is actually translated fertilize. It's like he's saying, Lord, you fertilize my mind. In moments, you just help me think more clearly. You, you pour in true things, noble things, right things, lovely things, healthy things into my mind so that I can think in more healthy ways, so I can grow and flourish, so I can overflow on other people who used to be where I was. 
And then he ends with the hope that as we as followers of Jesus know, he says, surely, I know, no doubt about it, I'm confident, your goodness and your love will follow me all the days of my life and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. And that's the truth, that's the hope we hang on to. Gang, Jesus came to give us eternal life. And because of him, grief, sadness, depression, darkness, even death does not have the final word. And if you're battling with depression or some kind of sadness right now, we want you to know, God wants you to know, you're not alone. I I can't tell you what your next step ought to be. But honestly, you might need to call a hotline for some immediate help. Maybe having some self-harm thoughts. You might need to schedule an appointment with a mental health professional. You could set up some time to talk to one of our care and recovery pastors. Again, there's no shame, no judgment, any of this stuff. And depression solutions are not a like one size fits all kind of thing. But we want you to know that here at New Hope, you are cared deeply about. And like I said, many of us can empathize with your story. We don't think you're crazy. And so we just want to come alongside and help you however possible in this battle. And maybe you just need to do what David did and what many of us have done and just cry out to God, get honest. Humbly acknowledge that no matter like what medicine you take or exercises you do or therapies you're involved in or people you surround yourself with, at the end of the day, it's God and God alone that's gonna bring you through this battle with depression and fill your cup. And maybe the next step for many of us is to take all these song lyrics from today and add them to our playlist. Spend some time reading and writing them down so that you can start removing the clouds in your life. Because the truth is, you're not alone. The truth is, you are not hopeless. The truth is, you are not unwanted. The truth is, you are not worthless. The truth is, you are not helpless. He is for you. He is with you. Lean into the truth of a good, good father who loves you, a good, good shepherd who wants to lead you to green pastures and still waters and restore your soul. So why don't you bow your heads with me for a moment. Let's pray about all this. Father, I I thank you for all the truth that we read and heard today. Because God, you you know um, the way it it is. Uh, We have a tendency to really, really uh, focus on all the lies. And it's so unhealthy for us. So to to hear truth and read truth, to have it sung over us, to to look at lyrics that were written thousands of years ago and I feel like they wrote them like last week, to know that you put it in your book so we could follow this pattern of just being super vulnerable with you, saying, I want to get honest about the truth about me, but I'm going to rest in the truth about God's character and let him heal me. God, I pray that begins to happen in people's lives. And I pray right now for anybody that's struggling with depression or grief or sadness right now. God, I pray that they would feel comforted today. I pray that they would feel hope starting to rise up in them today. I pray that you give them the courage and humility to maybe talk to somebody about that and say, I need some help. God, thank you for being there for us. Thank you for being that good, good shepherd, the lifter of our head, the lover of our soul, our refuge, our rock, our shelter, our fortress, our father. So grateful. 
And we pray all this in Jesus' name. And those who agreed said, amen. amen. <clears throat>